Brother Jerry, the pastor here at Friendship Baptist Church, and you are about to watch one of our messages. I hope that during this time that you would prayerfully listen. I hope that the Lord speaks to you, that he uses this message to help you grow. I hope you're able to experience God. I hope you're able to connect with him and connect with our church. I hope that you're able to respond to what he's doing in your life. I hope you enjoy. May the Lord bless you during this time. But God only knows the truth in that. 
He knows what's going to turn us away. He knows what's going to um, encourage us. He knows what we're going to face. He goes before us. He's not restrained by time. Can I hear a praise of the Lord? God works uh, this way in my life. He knows. I want to get real with you for a moment, just because I, I think it's good to be real for a And y'all may think this is crazy. But God knows. Have you ever been at a gas station or a grocery store? And and just the way that the, the woman cashier or the clerk hands you change back makes you feel a little funny. Are you with me? The next time I need gas, the next time I need um, to fill up or go to the grocery store, you know, I'll go to a whole other grocery store or a whole other gas station. You might think, this is crazy. Why would you do that? Because let me tell you something. Apart from Christ, I know who I am. Apart from Christ, I know how lustful, how prideful, how arrogant, how boastful, how, how everything I am apart from Christ. And so even in those little moments, as silly as that may sound, I feel the Lord leading me. I wouldn't go back there. I wouldn't go back there. Just because I know who I am. My sinful nature. I know that can I hear an amen? Are y'all with me? Am I the only one that has those feelings every once in a while where I'm just like, ugh. The Lord leads us. Let me tell you something else, church. We must trust the Lord even when it seems like we're being led in the wrong direction. You know what? When we as a church submit to God's will, when we as a body believers submit to God's will and we do that wholeheartedly you know there's going to be times in which we say does that feel like the right direction there's going to be times it's like I don't know but this seems like the wrong direction it's so hard it's not easy it's not the quickest way it's not the obvious way are you with me it doesn't make sense but let me tell you something church if God is truly leading us into a place we've got to follow we've got to follow are you all with me are you ready to follow the Lord wherever He takes us? Wherever, however. Praise the Lord. Because when we do that, when we surrender to that, there's no telling what God's going to do. And it won't be just in this body of believers. It'll be way outside of our little bitty minds and our little bitty resources. God is going to do something amazing when we surrender to Him. He already is. Praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, there's going to be times in which we doubt our decisions. There's going to be times on the other end of this when we're following the Lord and we're going to say, did we make the right decision? This, again, feels a little hard. What happened to the Israelites? Well, the very same thing. They find their way. They're stuck in between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. I'm sure they're thinking, ah, Moses, did we make the right decision? But God's teaching them so many things in this little journey that they're on and it's not just from getting them to point A to point B. I don't think that was what the Red Sea was all about. But I think God had a lot more going on than he was teaching them. He was teaching them to trust him. Y'all know what uh, Genesis 50, verse 20 says? It's like the, it's like the Old Testament, um, Romans 8, 28. Genesis 50, verse 20, it says that it's when Joseph, you remember Joseph, all the crazy things that happens in Joseph's lives, and, and so did the slavery, all the different things, and, and Joseph comes at the end when his family comes in, and Joseph looks at him and says, what you meant for evil, God intended for good, so that the present result would be here, that all things, all these many would be saved. That's what he says. It's Jerry Warren paraphrase, but that's, that's it. What you intended for, for evil, God intended for good. You see, the trick this church is when we're following the Lord, there's going to be times that it doesn't make sense and that we might not even like it. 
trust that for those that love God and are called according to His purposes, that He's going to work all things together for our good. There's Romans 8.28. And if you would read just a little further, one more verse, Romans 8.29, we would understand that the, all things to our good is that we would be conformed into the image of Jesus. That that's working all things together for our good, that we would look more like Jesus. When we follow the Lord, that's what tends to happen. We start to look more like Jesus. You know, um, there's times and circumstances in your life that go on and we just don't know what to do. And I'm telling you, we can trust the wisdom of God and know that God is good. We just sung about it, a good, good Father. And we can trust that He's working out His sovereign purposes. Praise the Lord. We may not know uh, the way we're going, church. We may not even know how we're going to get there. But we know our guiding. We know who's guiding us. And so... As we're looking at this, he's trustworthy, so we, 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 we can trust him even when we're feeling like we're going the wrong direction. But not only is he just trustworthy, but he's present. That's the next part here is, is the Lord is faithful with his presence. Look at verse 20, chapter 13, verse 20. It says, so they took their journey from Sukkoth and Camp and Ephraim at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. As we go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Here we have God's provision and guiding them through the pillar of cloud, it says, and the, the pillar of fire, uh, one by day, one by night. And again, this idea that God may not take us down the obvious path, but he will lead us. He will lead us. They had a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Both of these are, are, are instances of God's presence. You think back to, to Moses. Moses uh, in the burning bush that, that was not yet consumed. And so this idea of this burning bush and, and, and Moses experiencing God there. And then, then you go uh, even to the New Testament, the tongues of fire at Pentecost. You remember the tongues of fire that explains it coming down when the Holy Spirit comes down. And so the, the idea of God's presence there, or the cloud, when you think about the cloud here leading them, or, or you go a couple of uh, books later and you look at Solomon who's building the temple and, and he dedicates the temple, what happens? This big cloud comes upon them. The presence of the Lord fills the place to where the priests don't even have a clue what they do because they can't see. Oh, praise the Lord. I love it. I love it. But you have a thought that probably I've had from time to time. I sure wish I could have a cloud. I sure wish I had a pillar of cloud hanging around me, not one of them lightning striking ones, but one of them that guide me, you know? Although the lightning striking, if they give us some rain, we kind of need that, don't we? But you say, I wish I had a cloud, you know? I wish I had this cloud that would hover over the person I'm supposed to marry. Well, that would save a lot of time and heartache, wouldn't it? Lord, I wish I had this cloud that just hovered around the school, the college I was supposed to go to. Or I wish I had this cloud that would just hover over the job promotion or the job I'm supposed to take. I just wish I had this cloud. Are you with me? Sometimes we get this idea, I just wish God would work that way again. There was a man that came up to the church leader, Augustine, early church leader, way in the beginning of the church. And he said, he handed Augustine this island. He says, here's my God, where's your island? Or where's yours? And Augustine looked at him and said, I can't show you my God, not because there's no God to show you, but because you have no eyes to see. So I used to think, I wish I had a cloud. I wish God worked this way. That was until I had this awesome realization, or really revelation, I guess, of this idea of, of God showing me some things. And, and really, um, the first thing is, what Moses did here still required an immense amount of faith. 
part of the peninsula of faith to follow this cloud and this fire and to go across the sea and lift this down. You think about it. Uh, Hebrews talks about it. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were dragged. By faith. Still required an immense amount of faith. And I love this when it talks about it. It says he, he has seen the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the treasures of Egypt. Wait a second, this is Old Testament. The 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 the, the, seeing the, the reproach of Christ. Well, well the Bible's clear that Christ has been from the beginning, right? Let us make men our image. Let's make men our image. And, and then Colossians talks about how all things were made in and through Christ. And then and, and John 1 talks about the Word being flesh and being with God and was God. And so so that that's not confusing. Even Peter talks about the, the Spirit of Christ and the preaching of Noah. So all over the place, Christ is from beginning to end. And so it still required this immense amount of, of faith. And so that woke me up a little bit. But then the greater thing that I realized when I want this cloud and I want this guidance is that in the New Covenant, we have something so much better. After Christ's earthly ministry and his ascension, we have something so much better. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit within you. I'll put my spirit within you. The Holy Spirit. We don't need a cloud. We have the Holy Spirit, church. Think about this for a second. I, I want to walk through this for a minute with you. I, I believe, I want you to make sure you understand, I believe that the Old Testament believers were empowered to believe. I believe that they, they were even regenerated and saved. I believe that. I believe that through Christ, the same blood that we are purchased by is the same blood that they were purchased by. I think the Bible supports that. And so when you think about this, I, I think it is a little different from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, though. I think I believe that God was with His people always. He was always with His people, but He wasn't so much in His people. You see what I'm saying? He was with his people, with the exception he wasn't very much in his people. With the mediators, the Spirit of God says came upon them at times like Moses and Joshua and David. And different times David even prays, though, he says, Do not take your spirit from me. We're different than it does today. So the Holy Spirit now, in this shift with the new covenant, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through him, said, promising that he'll put his spirit within us. He dwells inside of us. While in the Old Covenant, God remained with His people in the tabernacle or the temple. In the New Covenant, in, in the times we live now, if we are in Christ, in this new time, we, we become, the body of believers become the temple of the Holy Spirit, both corporately and individually. We indwell the Holy Spirit. I want us to understand that in this journey, Life can be hard, and we can question a lot of things. And I know I, I say that in this end of life. I'm still young, and I have a lot to live, and a lot, to, a lot of heartbreak ahead of me, I'm sure. But y'all are on the other end of that heartbreak, and you've been through it. You know how hard life can be. The diagnosis, the accidental deaths, and, and, and just struggle, losing jobs, all the different things that happens in life. But 
I'm here to tell you that you're not alone if you are in Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not alone. That you have a Holy Spirit, God. And we're not a word that's not only among us, but He's in us. So yeah, you might not have a cloud, but we have the Spirit Himself, which is the guider into all truth and all So, we must trust the Lord, even when it seems like He's leading us in the wrong direction. We must also trust the Lord even when it seems like there's no way. When there seems like there's no way out, when, when it seems utterly impossible, we must trust the Lord. Look at chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hirath, between Michael and the sea, opposite Belzebon, and, and you shall camp before it by the sea. Doesn't sound like a good point. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor or glory over Pharaoh and over his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told that the king of Egypt, that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people, and they said, why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us. Verse 6, So he made ready this chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness, so the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea, beside Pi-Hirath, and before Bel and Zephon, in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Can you imagine this? Pharaoh, king of all Egypt, the big guy. And he's coming right at you. Not only is Pharaoh coming at you, but, but you got these these chariots, the top of the line, these, these horsemen, these chariots, it's a 600 select chariots, whatever that means. Uh, the top of the line, masses of we weapons of mass destruction, right? These just terrifying things, wheels and, and all these things. This is way back in the day, y'all. And they're coming at them, not only 600 chariots, but all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with captains over each one of them. And they're on their way. And you're the Israelites, and you look up, and here they come, marching right at you. Sounding a lot like y'all do, they're children, I'm sure <laughs> look up. And then you look back. There's this body of water. You can't go by. Nowhere to go. Can you imagine? Unfortunately, um, it doesn't take a lot to imagine it for some of us, right? You can recall a time when you were there. Nowhere to turn, not a place. Some of us might be there right now where, where you feel like you're 
surrounded by four walls, and there's not a place for you to go. Hopeless. So what did the Israelites do? Well, they tried to start off, right? They cried out to the Lord, right? But then they did what so many of us do so easily. They let fear take over. They're ready to give up. It's crazy what happens when we get scared, isn't it? I mean, verse 11, it starts, uh, or 17, it starts talking about how, how they, they, they even tell him, uh, didn't we tell you just to leave us in Israel or in Egypt? Didn't we tell you just to leave us there? Is there not enough graves there? Is that the reason you brought us out here to die? They start hammering on Moses. This shows us something important. That last verse, it says, for it would have been better, they said, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I think it shows us something. I think too often we would rather be enslaved and in bondage. We would rather the familiarity of that enslavement and the bondage more than we would rather the uncertainty of trusting God to deliver us out. Sometimes I think we, we get so focused on the familiarity and we would rather be familiar being torn apart even though it's tearing us apart, destroying us. The sin is just defeating us. But we are familiar with it that we hold there rather than the uncertainty of trusting the Lord to lead us and deliver us. But every time they tried to look up, they, they saw these chariots running at them. If they looked up far enough, church, they would have looked up a little bit more. Let me ask you a couple questions. When we see the church running at us, let me just ask you a few questions. Do you know that God is real? Do you know that God is real? Do you know that He loves you? Do you know and believe what He says to you? That He'll provide that He can Take your cares, you can cast your cares and anxieties on him. And that he's our refuge. Do you know God? And if you do, then let's trust him, even when there seems like there's no way out. Let's trust him. Trust him. So we go back to the Israelites, their panic and fear. And then we have these amazing words from Moses. Look at verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Listen, the words of Moses, I had to think he was crazy. He said, stand still. Stand firm and not be afraid. And see the salvation of the Lord. Of the Lord. Later in the Bible, the same strategy is used in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehaziel stepped up by the power of the Spirit, it says, and said, Listen carefully, all of Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for Yahweh is with you. 
You see the thing here? Stand still. Stand firm. Do not be afraid. And see the salvation of the Lord. He says, it's not your battle. It's God's battle. Well, that seemed in for me. Now, I think we get so exhausted and so worked up at times because we're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting a battle that's not ours. It's His. I truly believe that, church. I truly believe that if, if we fight the battle against lust, we're going to lose. If we fight the battle against pornography, we're going to lose. If we fight the battle against alcohol, we're going to lose. An addiction, whatever it is, if you fight your battle against that, the odds are we're going to lose. Because it's not our battle. The battle is His and it's already been defeated and He's already given us deliverance out of it. We stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. It's not about what we're doing. It's about seeing what God has already done and is still doing. Praise the Lord. And when we trust the Lord, so we trust Him even if it seems like He's leading us in the wrong direction. We trust Him even if it seems like there's no way out, no escape. And we trust Him when we do. When we trust the Lord, He gets the glory. This is the best part. Not only does He claim victory, but He gets the glory. Let's go back to this battle of the Lord's. It's the Lord's battle. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go and drive ground through the midst of the sea, and, all, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain glory or honor over Pharaoh and over his army and his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor or glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. God gives Moses these instructions. I just think, uh, we've heard this story so many times, we don't catch this. The, the, the human shock, do what, Lord? <laughs> Reach out my hands, do what? But it wasn't his battle, so he listens to the Lord. In verse 19, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And so it became, uh, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one and it came light by night to the other. So that one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, and Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 24. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come back unto the Egyptians on the chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned in its full depth. 
while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of the Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. God intervenes. God intervenes. He comes through and, and puts a, diffuse, a, a difficulty on them, a confusion, and all of a sudden this cloud comes and, and keeps them distance between the two, and then he takes off their wills. God is a God who intervenes. I mean, that excites me, church, that our God can intervene in our life. He comes in and he shows up and he takes care of business. And can you imagine this? The water's pulled off to the wall. We, we make so oh, it drives me insane. The scholars make so little of this. They'll try to explain it away. They'll talk about how it, it must have been more up north and it had to be shallow waters up there. The east winds, it's a natural thing. And, and, and let me just tell you something. That might be even more of a miracle if he drowns a whole army in that short of water. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> And if you have a problem with them splitting this sea, why don't you go to the one where he splits the Jordan River with Joshua or the one with Elijah and Elisha? I mean, God is a God over all creation. He's not limited by his creation. Praise the Lord. Parts this water. I just praise the Lord that God intervenes and is powerful. So often we put limits on God. I speak from experience, recent experience of this. I've been putting limits on God, and I have, and it has broke me down because I thought I was surrendered to the Lord, but I realized, I realized that, that I was surrendered within these parameters, that I wasn't even thinking I was placing there, but that's what it was. And I was limiting God, but God's a God without limits, church. How dare us? You know, I started praying differently. A lot of times I pray, God, work through me. God, work through me this morning. God, work through me, work through me, work through me. I thought I was praying good. Then I realized that maybe instead of praying for God to work through me, maybe I should pray and ask God to allow me to work through Him and His power. Because if, if God's working through me, that, I got limits, but God doesn't have any limits. God, let me work through you. You understand? Praise the Lord. The battle might not be easy, it might not make sense, but God is faithful. This Exodus story is a really neat story. He uses an unusual strategy. God's all about that, though. Abraham and Sarah, at their old age, unusual. Gideon taking 300 to defeat this huge army, unusual. Uh, the demoniac going into the pigs, unusual. The ultimate unusual God sending his only son to put on human flesh. And to live perfectly and then to die a death on a cross to save us? Unusual, but brought deliverance. He glorified himself. Verse 30 says, The Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. They were hopeless and already defeated. They were in the hands of the Egyptians. They were there. And we too, church, apart from Christ, are in the same place. Apart from Christ, we are hopeless and defeated. Yet, just as God saved Israel, He can save us. But it's not a battle that we can win through. It's a battle that He's already won. We see the salvation. We stand.
Gainesville and see the salvation of the Lord, we simply recognize that He is grateful and believe in Him who the Father has sent. That's an act of God, the Bible tells us. Believe in Him whom the Father has sent. Happens by grace through faith. As we surrender to Him, as we follow Christ, you'll start to notice something. You start to hate, loathe your sinful self. You start to hate it. Are you all with me? Do you hate the sin in your life and the, the, the way that, that it has these, these things over us at times? I, I hate it. I hate when I fall into that. And then you start to desire to look more like Christ. More like repentance. Are you experiencing salvation today? I'm not talking about something that's happened. I'm not talking about a, a date that's in the front of your Bible. I'm saying, are you experiencing salvation today? Are you justified by grace through faith? Has he took that penalty of sin from you? Justification. But then are you being sanctified? Are you living in salvation every day by allowing him to turn you more into the image of Jesus? And so, so justification, it takes the penalty of sin, but sanctification is being saved from the power of sin. Are you with me? To get, to, get, to get away from them. You know, because even the, the Israelites, they're delivered, they're delivered from this. But you know, even though they were delivered from Egypt, and Egypt was defeated, they still have Egypt in their hearts at times, wanting to go back at times. In the same way, we, we can be saved, we can be regenerate, and still sin can creep in. And we've got to see the salvation that God has already won on the cross and delivered to us and allow Him to sanctify us. It's not about us spreading ourselves up. And then one day we'll be glorified, saved from the presence of sin. There'll be no more sin. Verse 31 says, Then thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. They were in awe of God and believed God. May we be in awe of God and believe him. And then chapter 15, I'm not going to read it. But they sing praises to him. Oh, this, this is awesome. <laughs> they start singing praises to them, and, and they get out tambourines, and they start dancing to the Lord. Could you imagine <laughs> We need to do tambourines next week. If anybody's got one, I want to I see it. And, 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 and uh, they sing to the Lord, though, because of the deliverance, because of, of, of what he's done, because they were able to sit there and see salvation. They start singing to him. They sing about him. They sing to give him glory. They sing about his glory. They sing about what he's done, what he will do. He even talks about things that haven't happened yet as if they happen. Because they, they, they're praising the Lord. The Lord is worthy of our praise, isn't he, church? Yeah. Every believer should sing to the Lord, not because they have a good voice, but because of what God has done. You know, the praise team, I love them. But the thing that moves me is never the good singing. That's not what moves them, church. Now, they got some beautiful voices. They do. But that's not what moves me. You know what moves me? When I hear brothers and sisters in Christ singing and worshiping their God. When I see worship. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious and holiness? Fearful and praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth. The people whom you have redeemed, you have guided them in your strength. 
through your holy habitation. Church, we're about to do something that we do every Sunday morning. What is it called? What do we call it? An invitation, right? What is that? What is the invitation? Well, I'm, we're inviting you, right? Inviting you for what? Well, sometimes we think, well, invite me to join the church, invite me to, to be baptized, invite me to know the Lord, invite me to these things. And, and while that's all part of it, but the, the invitation is, is invite you to Jesus, invite you to respond to Him and what He's doing. And that's not just a one-time thing, that's for an everyday thing. We respond to, you've heard God's Word, you've heard the Gospel, that should re require a response from us. And so, when someone comes forward, I'm going to ask God to help me. When someone comes forward and they come up here and they pray, is God working on their lives? Well, sure, they're going to come in front of 150 people. There would be, uh, uh, God's doing something there, right? So if God is working through the Holy Spirit, if He's working on someone to come up here and pray, do you think that that same God, the same Holy Spirit, might be working on someone in here to go up there and pray with them? And not just to pray with them, but, but maybe... Um, not make it a Sunday morning thing, but make it a, a life thing in which you follow up that week. If you don't have their contacts, you get their contacts and say, hey, I've been praying for you all week. Is there any way I can help you this week? I know God's working and I want to I wanna be there to encourage you. Are you with me, church? If the same Holy Spirit's working on our hearts on the front end, you should be working on the back end with someone else. That's what the scriptures are all about when we see this. The church, they're, they're coming side by side. It's a blessing to see that. So, so if someone comes forward today, would you come up and pray with them? Whoever it is. Try man, man, woman, and woman. But come up and pray with them. And get their contact information and pray with them. And let me just tell you. Respond. Are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting Him? Even when it seems like you're going in the wrong direction. Even when it seems like there's no way out. Because when we do, He gets glory. If you're overwhelmed today, would you just come and allow uh, a brother or sister to pray with you, pray with you? Father God, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful for, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, the way you're working in, in the midst of us, oh, it's so exciting. But Lord, I, I pray that, that uh, it wouldn't just be a Sunday morning thing. Lord, I pray that, that we would glorify you and worship you all week long. And Lord, I pray that that even happens through the simple thing of what we call this invitation, Lord. It's nothing about the stage or the altar or this place. It's all about who you are. Lord, we're bowing down to you, worshiping you. And so, Jesus, I, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Father, I pray for, for those that are feeling like there's no way out of Lord, I pray that you allow them to see the battle you already won, the victory you already won on the cross. Lord, let us stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Work within us, Lord. Let us work through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.